So tonight I want to talk about getting unstuck when you're stuck. So the Bible is full of amazing stories. I, I think someone, anyone who, who hasn't read the Bible doesn't realize the kind of things that it contains. I'm amazed at the war stories. I love the war stories in the Bible. It's, it's full of them. Thanks, um, musicians. And, you know, we've often heard of our Bible stories. We, you know, if you have any sort of background in, in um, church, you would have heard about Noah. You would have heard about um, Mary and Joseph and all these stories. But I love to find the, these men that no one's ever heard of. And uh, today, I call them men of obscurity. People who, you know, they're in the Bible you don't hear much from. Well, Absalom, we do hear a, a little bit about him, but I want to speak to you tonight about this man called Absalom and becoming unstuck. Poke someone and say, get unstuck. So we're going to start in 2 Samuel chapter 14. And by the way, uh, if you weren't here this morning, you missed a really amazing message from Pastor Michael. And uh, you can listen to that on podcast, so you can pick that up. And uh, have listened to some really, really amazing pearls of wisdom in there that you need to get a hold of uh, in your prayer life. So I just encourage you, you, you don't have to miss out on that. You can listen to it at your leisure. So there's a good commercial there for our church. But 2 Samuel 14, verses 25 to 26. I'll read it out to you. It's on the screens there. It says, Now Absalom was praised as the most handsome man in all Israel. Little bit, little bit like someone I know. He was flawless from head, to from head to foot. He cut his hair only once a year and then only when it became, because it was so heavy and when he weighed it out, it came to five pounds. This is a strange character here. Because I have a question, who weighs their hair after a haircut? It's like, uh, excuse me, I've just brought, brought the scales along. Can we just put that on the scales? But Absalom does. He weighs his hair after every haircut. So I want to get this into context for you. His hair weighs the same as 20 quarter pounders. 20 of those is on his head. And that's a fair load. Think about it. By the way, quarter pounders are my favorite. I love a double quarter pounder. I don't know why they don't call it a half pounder. 20 of those on your head. That give you a context of what we're dealing with here. That's a lot of hair. So we learn a lot about him in this little brief introduction that I just read out to you. And I hope we can learn a few things to avoid ourselves from his life. So... We can, we can read stories in the Bible and there's always a story inside the story. So there's spiritual metaphors that we have to get the, the spiritual lesson behind and apply it to ourselves. So Absalom is a story of someone who got stuck and couldn't get unstuck. So we, we might think sometimes life has given us some circumstance that we're stuck in, but I want to tell you something. You need to find the way through your relationship with God through your relationship with Jesus to get yourself unstuck in life and to keep moving forward. So I'm going to give you uh, just a, a few things about Absalom uh, that they'll pop up on the screen. Number one, everybody praised him. He had his own fan club. There he is. That, that's a, actual footage of him. 
with his hair. All these people, can we have your autograph, Absalom? Absalom, Absalom, you're so handsome. Absalom, cuddle our babies. Absalom was the kind of guy who stood at the, at the, at the door of the church, actually the, 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 the gate of the, of the city, and he cuddled everybody's babies and he talked to everyone and he was everybody's friend. He's a real smooth operator with his long hair. It's all beautiful. Second thing we see about him, he had a lot going for him. He's handsome. He's flawless. He's a hunk of a man and not every one of you is blessed with that. <laughs> I never questioned your manhood. He's flawless. He's handsome. He's got a perfect set of teeth. I had a perfect set of teeth. They're mostly fake. And number three, the, 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 the icing on the cake of his life, he only had a haircut once a year and only because it was so heavy. As we just learnt, like 20 quarter pounders sitting on his head and although he had a he had everything going for him his life ends tragically and short well below his years when his 20 quarter pounders got stuck in a tree during a war against his dad's army we're not going to go into all the background of it but here is how his life ends second samuel 18 verse 9 you can read it for yourselves but it says this, he, so he goes to war against his father's kingdom because his dad is King David, he's the king and Absalom has this idea that he thinks he should be king because let's face it, when everybody praises you, everybody loves you, He'd a, he had a lot going for him, he's handsome, he's flawless and he only has a haircut once a year, that, that means to me he should be king. And that's what he thought. So he says to, he says to a, a group of his friends, why don't you make me king and we'll kick out the old king, my dad, and I'll take the throne. And th so anyway, they, they go to war. So who knows, when you do things like that, you're going to have a bit of a fight on your hands. And this is where he is. So it says this, during the battle, Absalom happened to come upon some of David's men. They're the king's men. And he tried to escape on his mule. Rule number one, if you're going to go to a war, don't go riding a mule. <laughs> he should have known that. But as he rode beneath the thick branches of a great tree, his hair got caught in the tree. His quarter pounders held him up. Got caught in a tree. His mule kept going and left him dangling in the air. The final moments of his life, we read in verses 14 and 15, we don't have them there. But Absalom gets killed while dangling by his hair in a tree. Not a very nice end. So before you go to war, here's a little tip. If you're ever thinking you're going to join the army and go to war, have a haircut before you go. I always, used to, I always wanted to join the army, but I didn't want to get a crew cut. I was thinking, I, I'm going to join the army, but I don't want to. The first thing they do is they give you a haircut. 
because I don't want you running under a tree and getting your hair caught and dangling till you're dead. But this is a story of someone who couldn't get unstuck when he was stuck. And we've got to learn the, the spiritual things that we can put into place in our life so that when we get stuck in some part of life, that we don't stay there until somebody comes along because the king's men came along and said, there's Absalom dangling from a tree. Why don't we kill him? And actually, that's what happened. So here's the lessons that we can learn, that we see things that we can apply that need to um, be put into our lives spiritually. So these things we see that happen to people in the Bible, that happened to them you know, in, in, the, in their body, but we need to learn the lesson because it's spiritual things that we need to apply and that's what makes our life so interesting and so amazing when we walk with Jesus because we're walking a spiritual walk and our Bibles come alive with spiritual ways in which we can apply. I, I love that. And I want us to see the spiritual value in this story. So before we move on, we're going to do something really spiritual. And if you're not used to church, we do pray. So I want us to bow our heads right now. I'm going to pray for something spiritual to, and supernatural to take over my words today so that it becomes a spiritual encounter with God. So dear Heavenly Father, we just pray right now for every man, woman and child in this place that as I speak, these words aren't the, aren't the words of a, a normal man, but they be the words of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open. I pray that the areas where people are stuck tonight will become unstuck. I pray for the things that are holding people bound and, and the lies that have kept them uh, contained and controlled will be broken off their lives tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You can open your eyes now. So the first thing I want us to look at, and I don't want to make too light of things because it's a spiritual thing I'm talking about. The first thing, the first lesson we learn from his life that we need to apply ourselves spiritually is have a haircut more than once a year. Now, before you go, all go rushing off to, to, the, to the hairdresser or to the barber shop, I'm talking about a spiritual thing. I'm going to explain it to you right now. So get ready to listen to my explanation. This this haircut thing I'm talking about is like a person with issues. Have you ever met somebody with issues? When they talk, it's like their head is weighed down. When they're talking to you, it's like everything is like there's an issue going on. It's like boing, boing. It's, it, it brings an imbalance to their life. Who knows, when you're walking around with 20 quarter pounders on your head, you've got some imbalance going on there. It's like He's weighed down. Now, what I'm talking about, this can be outworked in two unhealthy ways in us. The first one is if you, if you don't have a haircut more than once a year, and I'll explain what that all means soon, is number one, you can have an inflated ego. And an inflated ego can't see where it's wrong. Because it says everybody else is the problem. It must be them over there. Why there's a problem? Because it can't be me because an inflated ego says that it's not me. It's got to be everybody else in the world. So it, it amazes me. There's some people, no matter what church they go to, they, they're never satisfied. No matter where they go, no matter what, what ministry they're given, no matter what, what opportunity they have, there's always a problem that must be them. 
over there. It's their, it's their fault that my life is what it is. It's an inflated ego. The second part that we see, if you don't have a haircut more than once a year, is you become bitter with life. When things haven't turned out how they thought they should, or they didn't get what they, they thought they were owed, what was owing them. Bitterness can arise because you're thinking, I'm missing out on the things that should have been mine. And when, when you live with that, you resort to hostility and you want to fight everybody and everything and everyone. So you have, you have this pugnacious nature. We used to call a kid at school, Neil Potter, the one who, who became Toto in the, in the uh, Wizard of Oz. But I wanted to get his position. Well, we used to call him pugnacious. We didn't even know what it meant, but he was pugnacious. But when you live with bitterness in your spirit, you resort to hostility when you don't think you're getting your own way. So, so you, you, it's, a type of, it's a type of person, and we can be hostile in many different ways. We can, be, we can be hostile, openly hostile. We just go around thumping people. You say, you don't get your own way? Poof. Not many people do that. Or you slap people. Or you push them and shove them. You do physical violence. Other ways that we, we can be pugnacious is, is we're quick with, with the, the letters or the text and all those sort of things. And, and we, we get our end in. We, we, get our, we get our shot in. We can be pugnacious in many different forms. But it means there's an aggressiveness behind or the motive behind what we're doing is aggression. And it can be a root of bitterness that, that we've allowed to grow. So if we were to only deal with things once a year on special occasions, simple things become too big and weigh heavy on our head. It's like, I, I only have a haircut once a year on a special occasion, on my birthday, which is the 2nd of December. Write that down. <laughs> but if we only deal with things once a year, then things that should be easily dealt with become heavy on our head. It brings an imbalance to our life because we're not dealing with things on a, on a normal day-to-day -day basis we're waiting for things to become big issues we're waiting for things that shouldn't be a big issue to be an issue and then it becomes too heavy for us to handle and brings us to a place of imbalance in every other part of our life so some of these simple things like our ego left unchecked grows to abnormal weight it becomes a heavy part of our personality that other people won't be able to handle Left unchecked bitterness leads to outbursts of fury and even war. These two are like Absalom's hair that could have been easily managed, but it was left for far too long and is what caused him to dangle to his death. And you don't want to be dangling to your death because you didn't put things in place in your life. There's a scripture in the Bible, I haven't got it written down, I just thought of it again today. It says... The, in all the laws of Moses, then there's one that just, I love the ones that just slip in. And it's random. There's one that says, don't cut your hair too long and don't shave your head either. Don't let your hair grow too long, sorry. And don't shave your head either. You'd have regular moderate haircuts. In the Bible. 
What? God doesn't care about your hairstyle, by the way. It's a spiritual metaphor to say don't live by extremes. Absalom's a, a, a perfect example of a person who's living extremely, extreme lifestyle. So most of the year he's got this big hair, huge. But then once a year, it's like all gone. Shaves it all off, only once a year. Because he's living with extreme things in his life. And we can live with extremes in our ego that we think that the problem is everybody else in the world, but it's not me. We can live with bitterness because we didn't get what we thought was owed to us. We can live with these things that are extremes, but they weigh our head and imbalance our life. And then we wonder why people avoid us. Second key, the first one was have a haircut more than once a year. I'm talking about spiritually analyze yourself. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I, 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 I might come and cover this again. But you know something? Usually, most of us, we let someone else cut our hair. I might come back to that. That's just a little, little seed you need to think about. The second thing, don't go to war with those who are on your side. That's a powerful key there. Absalom went to war with his father who was on his side. All the way to the end, if you read the story yourself, read, read, the, read the story about Absalom and you'll find that David the king actually loved his son and was on his side even when his son was in total rebellion to him. There's a lot of metaphors between humankind and God in the story of Absalom and David, his father. You, you, you need to look at that. But Absalom, the, the meaning of his name means father of peace. Yet there was everything about him was, was the, the father of war and the father of rebellion. And he even went to war against his father, even though his name means to be a man of peace. And it's important to note that life has its battles. Who's ever realized that life has its battles? If anyone hasn't, they've never been married. No, that's not true. <laughs> I, no, I've not, I don't know. I haven't dealt with that one. Oh, I need a, gla I need a drink of water. <laughs> I can tell you, every person here, young or old, has faced up to life's battles. Because life is full of battles. The point here is don't bait yourself into battles with those who are on your side. Absalom didn't realize this and he went to war with those who he should have been on the same side of. This is particularly relevant in families. And some of the most brutal fights are among family. And you could find yourself dangling with nobody to save you. Now I want to get to something more positive. How to get unstuck when you're stuck. And you may, may not be stuck right now in anything, but you may find yourself in the future where you have a point where life seems to stop, where you're stuck, where the progress has, has vanished and you're, you're at a point where you're feeling like nothing's moving anymore or you're not in a place where you want to be. There are times when we get stuck. We could call it, as we describe sometimes, a bad place. 
say to people, well, I'm in a bad place right now. This could look like many things. But you'll know what it is when you get there. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe you're there right now. But life in a, in a bad place, it's like when you feel uneasy. Uh, doors aren't opening and the place where you want to be may seem impossible to reach. And sometimes we get to a place in life where we think, I've just got everything I've ever wanted. Everything's really sweet and cool and I, I love everything about my life. And if you're there, that's, that's a fantastic place to be. But there are other times in life where we're thinking there's just things missing. I just, I just need this sorted out or I just need that worked out. I just need uh, little things here and there, um, uh, other things, but I just feel uneasy inside like I need to have more. And we can get like that. It's that uneasy time where doors aren't opening and the place where you want to be is impossible to reach. It could even be those times of hope deferred when everything was working out and suddenly everything changed. Where, where you thought this was a plan, it was all going just, just awesome. I knew what the next thing was going to be and I was going to get a promotion. I was, I was going to get that car. I was going to get all the, these other things around about me. But suddenly everything changed. And what I thought was coming my way didn't get here. And we live in this hope deferred. The Bible also talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that's a bad place to live because when you get a sick heart, you can't operate in, in a good way in your life. But that scripture goes on to say, but um, uh, hope deferred, what was it? it, is, it but, the, but when dreams fulfilled, and my wife's helping me here, is a tree of life. And we need to recognize and believe God that we're going to live a life of dreams fulfilled and we will be a tree of life for others around us. But when you're stuck in a place, a mindset, a situation that doesn't seem to resolve, I'm going to give you some pointers to get out of there. The first thing you need to do is turn it over just like a pancake. If you're in a place that isn't fulfilling in your life, you need to turn it over. You know, I, lo I love pancakes. And something about a pancake is, is we can complain sometimes because we're feeling the heat. Because we're feeling the heat. But you know what? When you turn that pancake over, the heat's done something good for it. You don't want to eat the pancake mix you want to eat the pancake that's been, that's been under the heat or on the heat and then it's been turned over and then both sides are well done and then it's something beautiful for breakfast. I think so. Because some things look different from another side. Turn it over. Get used to turning things over in your life. Make it uh, uh, something that you do when things are looking negative, when things are looking impossible, you've got to say, well, God, you've got to help me to see this turned over. Is that making sense? It's pretty corny. The pancake turned over. You won't forget it. But you've got to turn things over to Jesus. I'm sure what you see from where you are looks different to what Jesus sees from where he is. Looking at your life and your situation. So you need to learn the art of turning things over. 
So what's the difference between a person who, who's living with depression, a person who's living with negativity, a person living with a head full of quarter pounders, and the person who's living in victory, the person who's living balanced and strong and, and, and living fulfilled, is they've learned to turn things over. They've not thought, oh, the pan's too hot. The pan's, what's the pan doing underneath there? We can't see what's going on. It doesn't seem right. You know what? You watch for the little bubbles and then you flip it over. And you know, if you don't wait for the bubbles, you get in a lot of trouble when you flip it over at the wrong time. Who's a really good pancake flipper who can flip them? I can't. They end up on the floor. I've never got them on the ceiling. So you've got to turn it over. I think the, the biggest key in your life tonight, in, in tonight's message, is you've got to be a person who learns to turn it over. So Jesus' story always takes the tragedy and turns it over. I'll give you some examples. Joseph, in the book of Genesis, he turned it over in his life. Daniel turned it over. Moses turned it over. Deborah turned it over. They're not neighbors of down the street. People, you know, they're, they're characters from the Bible. You need to know their stories. They turned their lives over when tragedy came against them, when things went wrong. They turned it over. That's what God does in our life. Isaiah turned it over. John the Baptist turned it over. The Apostle Paul turned it over. The woman at the well who'd had five husbands, she turned it over. <clears throat> Jesus turned it over for them and he'll turn it over for you if you'll start to get past your mind thinking and start to step into a spiritual walk with Jesus you'll find that the life that seemed wrecked and ruined and destroyed even by your own biggest mistakes God will turn it over and that the key is you've got to cooperate with God and not fight against him whoever thought pancakes would be so interesting Psalm 30 verse 11 says, You've turned my mourning into dancing. You've turned my mourning into dancing. You've turned my sorrow into joy. When you're stuck in life, turn it over. And when, when I say that, it's, it's about turning your attention to God, turning your attention to Jesus and saying, hey, you know what? I can't see the answer right now, but I'm going to turn it over to you, Jesus, and I want you to, to do something with this situation um, and let God deal with those things. And he will. The second thing you need is a really, really important one is you've got to learn to exercise humility. That means take the lesser part and trust God with what you got trust god with what you got have you ever seen or maybe you've experienced it yourself you see you see that, that around the christmas tree everyone's opening up their presents especially when you're a kid and you see you know paul got this great present and john got a great present and peppy got a good present and you're thinking wow look at all the great things they got but then you got something that you didn't want you got a pair of shorts. <clears throat> you got to take the lesser part and trust God with what you got. Not good English. But Abraham 
and Lot. If you, if you see the story in Genesis chapter 13, Abraham and Lot, these two cousins or, or relatives, and they're both incredibly successful. They're, 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 they've got herds of animals and they're both incredibly successful and, and, and good at what they do. So at, at, they come to a point in life where they travel together everywhere. So wherever they went, they went together as, as friends and as relatives. And, and their, their, their flocks and their herds grew and grew and grew to a point where, where Abraham and Lot, they're friends, but their workers um, start to fight each other for the available pasture. So Lot's men saying, hey, here comes Abraham's guys with their big mob of sheep. You, well, let's have a fight with them and tell them to get lost because this area is for our sheep. And so they start to have fights and they start to have hostility in the camp. Now, they all live together, but they're fighting over pasture. So what happens is with Abraham and Lot, they decide that they're going to separate and go their different ways so they stop the fights. So Abraham talks to Lot and Lot chose first. And he says, well, he looks around. He says, I'm going to choose. I'm going to go first. I'm going to choose the best land that I can see in front of me. And he chooses this valley. But you know what? God blessed Abraham more even though Lot chose first. Because Lot chose a way in life that he could see in the natural where Abraham followed God in the supernatural and God blessed him more. And we need to be people who live in a supernatural, filled with the Holy Spirit part of our life, where we're not going by what we see in our natural mind, where we're thinking, hey, I need that. I need that. I want that. I, if, I, if I was a music director, oh, that'd be, that'd be sweet. If I, if I was the pastor, that would be even sweeter. We have all these funny ideas about life and about ministry and about serving God. But when, we, when we're happy with what we've got, God will bless us. Even when we don't get the choice. Even when we don't get to pick first. It comes down to a couple of things in humility. Don't think more highly than you ought about yourself. Because when you think more highly about yourself... You, you, you start to have that ego thing start to grow. And imbalance starts to grow in your life and you start walking around with them quarter pounders again, starting to destabilize your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 13, it says, For by the grace given me, by the grace, that goes a lot with humility, may I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment if i'm going to take that into context tonight take the burgers off your head before you lose it do a little bit of self-searching there james chapter 3 verse 13 says if you're wise and understanding if you're wise and understanding god's ways prove it by living an honorable life doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom they're they're two brothers that walk side to side is humility and wisdom. And when you're wise, you'll be humble. And when you're humble, you'll be wise. They go together. Wisdom will say, have more. Wisdom will say, have more than one haircut a year. This means, when, we, when I use that phrase about having a haircut once a year, it means deal with issues before they get too big. Deal with your haircut before there's five pounds to deal with. 
Humility, this is the key I was going to get to earlier. Humility allows others into your world that confront the hairdo and give it a trim now and then. And there's not too many here who cut their own hair. Usually people who do that, they just have real short crew cuts or bald. But most of us, if we, if we, if we like a bit of style, we, 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 we let others do it. Now, there's a, there's a really good key there about community. Is we need others in our life who will confront our hairdo. When our hairdo starts to get imbalanced, as I spoke of before, we need people in our life that, that uh, love us, that we trust, that can say, you know what? The way you're talking right now is a little bit, a little bit lopsided. You need, to, you, know, you need to let others come in and help you. Now, I'm not saying you just go and let everybody in, in, in the neighborhood tell you how to live. But you need to have a, a structure in your life of, of spiritual mentors, spiritual leaders who have proven fruit in their life. Remember that we don't want fruit loops speaking into our lives. We want people who've got proven ministry fruit. And you say to them, well, will you help me in these areas? Or sometimes they might have to say to you, hey, let us deal with this hairdo because it's getting a little bit out of hand. Now, the, the thing is, you can say, well, you're not touching my hair, leave me alone. But you know what? The, the truth is a spiritual issue is you'll get stuck up in a tree with that one day and you won't be able to get yourself down. And that will be the time where there's nobody there who's going to come and save you. Humility allows others into your world that confront their hairdo and give it a trim now and then. Humility recognizes we need others in our world, especially when we get stuck. So humility gets you unstuck because you can ask others. You've got to let others into your life. Let others into your world. Let others into your decisions sometimes so that you don't get stuck at a critical point in your life. So Absalom died a young man because he got stuck because he didn't have anyone else in his life to confront the hairdo. That's sad. His whole five pounds brought him unstuck. The third thing is never stop believing. Never stop believing. Even when the worst day happens, God has you. And we can never allow ourselves to stop believing God because, you know, I, I can absolutely guarantee you bad days will come. I can't remember what it, what it was, but I remember we had a particularly bad day, Pauline and myself, and it was my birthday. And all these things all stacked up, um, all, all these different things. It was, it was spiritual things, financial things, um, things breaking down in the house, all in one day, like bam, 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 bam. I'm thinking, what is going on? But I remember saying to Pauline at the time, you know what? I don't know the answer right now. I don't know the answer out of any of these situations. But what I'm going to say, we need to pray right now. And we prayed about it. And I said, you know what? We're going to pray and leave this to God. We're going to turn this to Jesus. All these things. And I said to you, it was my birthday. And I said, I, I, I'm believing that by my next birthday, we're not even going to remember what these things were. They were so huge on that day. They were so huge. And you know, a year later, I said to Pauline, remember last birthday? It was so bad. I need to have a, I need to have a makeup birthday for that one. I said, it was so bad. But can you remember what any of the issues were? And we could not remember one. 
We could not remember what one of them was, but they were so huge on that day at that time. We turned it over and took it to God in prayer and said, here it is. Here's all these problems. And we left it with God. Isaiah 43 verse 2 says, When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you'll not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you'll not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. When you get stuck, God will unstuck you. Jesus will be with you. So the important thing here is to be around believing people. Church is a good start. We, can, we talk about habits in life and usually we have a negative connotation to habits in life, bad habits. There are some habits you need to, you need to let go of, you need to change, and there's other habits you, you need to take up on. And I want to encourage you today, a good habit, a great habit in your life is to be found in the house of God. Make it a regular habit in your life. You know what? You'll grow more. You'll grow faster. You'll find answers that you need when church is a priority in your life. Don't make it a, a, a just a casual affair. Make it a priority where you're in the house of God. And you know, you, you'll find that you won't even need to spend hours and hours with someone counseling you, hours and hours with people listening to your story, because you'll find the answers to your situations are being fed to you by being in the house of God, listening to the Word of God, being in a place where you can worship God, because it takes you out of the natural world into the supernatural, and that's where your, your heart changes and your world changes. I want you to be a world-changing person. When you have a bad day or a bad month or a bad year, don't allow that to define your life from then on. You know, there's sometimes we think, well, I've had such a bad day and it was my birthday. And from then on, we, 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 we carry that, that burden of that bad experience. You know, do you know what they said to me? You might think, well, you know, the power blew up and I rang up, rang up the company and they, 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 they told me they're not going to get up and fix the fuse because I've got to pull the roof down because they don't stand on roofs like that. And you're thinking, oh, you know, and I just can't get over it. Now I'm going to disconnect power for the rest of my life. I'm going to be off the grid. You'd think there's an imbalance there. It's understandable because you got hurt. But don't define your life from then on. Don't get stuck when a bad day ends. Put that behind you. Turn it over. There's a lot of clever, gifted people can be left dangling all from one bad moment. So here's the good news. Get your seatbelts on for this. There was a man who got stuck for you so you could be unstuck. His name is Jesus. Because he was stuck on a tree. In fact, he was so stuck, he was nailed to that tree. On a cross made of wood, he was your exchange, like having a stunt double or a substitute for you was Jesus. He was the one who got stuck in a tree again for you. So Jesus took what we got stuck in 
And he stuck that to himself when he died upon the cross. Jesus died dangling when it should have been us for our sin. But he took that upon himself and he dangled on the cross for our sin. You're let out of the tree and you're set free to go to live free and be free because Jesus took the penalty for our rebellion, for our sin. Why don't you bow your heads with me tonight? Perhaps we could stand to our feet, but just have our eyes closed. <clears throat> we do something here in church where we, we call it altar, altar call time. That's where we ask people to, to step forward and uh, we pray for them. And I want to do that tonight because I know there are some people who tonight is a junction point in your life. A change is going to happen in your life, in your situation tonight because you're going to start turning over things in your life. Maybe you thought, well, I, I, can't, I can't see what God's doing. I don't understand everything that's happening in my life. But you need to start saying, God, will you turn this over? Will you take me beyond my understanding into something new? Because there are people here today and you're stuck. And you desire to get unstuck. You can be unstuck today when you start to say, Jesus, you were stuck in my place. And you paid the penalty so that I could be set free. When that becomes a revelation in your life, you'll be spiritually unstuck. There's others where you, you may need to ask Jesus to forgive you and make him Lord in your heart. You might think, well, I did that once upon a time, but things have come into my life. Things have got in the way. And I found myself, I find myself more stuck than when I was stuck before. The devil is really good at sticking us up in life. But Jesus paid the ultimate price to unstuck you, to let you go. Perhaps relationally, you're stuck. You need to turn it over to Jesus. Financially stuck, take the road of humility. It may look like you're getting the lesser deal, but with God, you will not lose. Maybe you're emotionally stuck. Maybe you're burnt emotionally by things that have happened to you, things that people said, uh, categories that people put you into, where you think, well, that's it, I'm stuck here. I don't know how to, how to exit this. You know something? Turn it over to Jesus today, and he will take you out of that. He'll lift you out of the bog. He will lift you out of that thing. He'll, he'll untangle your hair from that tree. And if you start to discipline your life, if you come forward tonight and say, Jesus, I want to learn to spiritually discipline myself. I want, to, I want to allow others to help me to, to um, take care of those 20 quarter pounders that are developing on my head. You know what? Jesus will come into your situation and you'll find life takes on a whole new destiny, a whole new purpose, much broader and much bigger than what you could have imagined yourself. Choose today to be the Abraham and not the Lot. Choose today to be the Abraham that says, God, I don't, need to, I don't need to choose first to be the blessed. I can let others choose first, and I know I'm going to keep my eyes on God 
and I will be blessed. So on that, I'm just going to invite you to come. The musician, music team are going to sing. And uh, as we sing, come forward and me, myself and the team will pray with you and believe for breakthroughs in your life. Believe for the turnarounds to happen. Believe for a whole new experience in your Christian walk to come upon your life from today. And I pray that in Jesus' name that your life will be changed. So I invite you to come. 